Hey everybody, this is Nick and Jill, and Vince is in the room with us, and we're doing a quick news podcast. But the main reason we're doing this is to test some new sound equipment, because we're trying to dramatically increase the quality of the audio that we'll have for the podcast. Yes. So Nick, let's talk about what's going on at High Point. Sure. We're looking for a kids ministry director. Right. How's that going? I keep forgetting you have to say kids, not children's, right? So yes. kids ministry. So we just had a candidate in recently in the last couple of weeks. Great guy from Indiana. Um, had a good visit. The elders talked with him. I liked him fine. And um, so anyway, he uh, we voted to hire him. We told him. He said, great. And, and But in further conversations about the culture at High Point and in Madison, they actually decided to decline. And part of the issue with that was just He's kind of from more fundamentalist Baptist churches. The salvation theology, just get saved, and like the, how you do discipleship and how you do cultural engagement. It was just kind of a pretty clear divide there. Um, he's a great guy. He's going to be a great children's minister. We would have, I think, benefited from being here. I do think it was going to be difficult for him. Um, so we'll see. We're still on the hunt here. And turns out finding a children's minister is much harder, harder than finding a senior pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could become the kids' ministry director. I could become the kids' ministry mm-hmm. director. And yeah. then we could find a senior pastor. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, that's not actually happening. That's not going to happen. Right. You don't have to be afraid <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, tell us about the new series we're going to be planning coming up. So this summer we have a few, and then in the fall we have a big thing. Yeah, so we have, a, we have a little short series coming up called Tiny. Um, Tiny Books, Humongous Truths or something, I think is. And we're going to do some of the one-page New Testament books that get overlooked, like Second and Third John. Um, the book of Philemon and the book of Jude are the ones that we're going to be looking at. So um, we're either going to do one sermon on a second and third John because they're fairly similar, and then I might just do a one-off sermon on some things that just need to be talked about, or we'll work, work through those four sermons. After that, we're going to have I think it's a we're going to have a guest a missions guest speaker, and then we're going to have a like seven-ish week series on Proverbs where we're going to take the themes of Proverbs and lay out some of the themes in that book related to wisdom so that you can read it more helpfully and so on. Just talk about the importance of that book for our lives, especially in a culture like ours that's kind of almost, it's kind of turned loose of human wisdom that's been accumulated for thousands of years for the sort of technocratic sort of counseling, therapy management, sort of scientific way to run your life, which actually turns out to be a disaster, but that kind of looks good statistically and formally and, um, yeah, so people think, you know, there's this kind of this idea that, like, what works good at work, when everybody has very narrow little jobs, you can scientifically manage that and kind of, like, do your little scientific productivity thing. The problem is when you live a holistic, personal life in terms of morality and discipleship and stuff, if you use that therapy management approach, it's a disaster. It's a terrible disaster. And wisdom, actually, is this beautiful thing, more precious than rubies, as Solomon says. So we're going to be talking about like the place of wisdom in the Christian life, how it functions in Christian discipleship, how incredibly important it is for that not to be the pursuit of some people who like that sort of thing, but that wisdom should be the pursuit, like the pursuit of jewels for every Christian and how we can do that without it like making our lives infinitely more complicated, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And then in the fall, we're doing Onward, which is this book by Russell Moore, which is called, the subtitle is um, Reach, I think, Engaging the Culture Without Losing the Gospel, yes, yes. right? And kind of the idea of that book is, is a very similar theme to Augustine's work in the fourth century on the city of God, where you had this huge Roman pagan superstructure. The church was not the majority culture, and the society was going really badly, 
and the society wanted to blame the Christians for everything that was going wrong because they were great scapegoats. And Augustine basically wrote this work to say, both both to the culture to say, no, it isn't our fault. Um, we are great citizens because Christ has made us great citizens. We're not, because Romans felt like because Christians first, uh, their first um, allegiance mm-hmm. was to Jesus and then to Rome, that they must be bad Romans, right? And what Augustine argued was, no, actually, having our allegiance to Jesus first because of the kind of Lord Jesus is actually makes us much better Romans. And we're better Romans than the Romans whose first allegiance is to Rome. And I think Christians would argue that same thing today, that that having our first allegiance to Jesus before America actually makes us better Americans if we if we do that right. And so there's a sense in which it's supposed to give us confidence in the face of the accusations of the culture. But it also what it does is it helps us learn how to engage what Augustine called the city of man from the city of God. That that we exist in this sort of like atemporal throughout time, space, and history that will be eternal city or kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And we're engaged, but we live in this like the city of man, which is um, which is sort of the temporal, cultural, societal, personal, whatever things that we live in. And what Augustine wanted people to do was to be able to live between those two things well. And as our cultures has become more secularized, and as things have changed in American culture, um, the fantasy that Christians were like this majority culture has kind of gone away. And we have to begin to figure out what it means to be a prophetic minority, what it means to... Um, to be part of the city of God in the city of man without just resorting to like cliches, like we're going to speak truth to power or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, we can be, we can be helpful citizens for the living for the good of all people, but also true ambassadors for the kingdom and city of God. And so this, it'll be about, was it eight weeks? Ten, uh, seven. Seven mm-hmm. weeks. And it'll be about the kingdom of God, culture, mission, and then it'll go through four major issues where the culture relates to the gospel. Human dignity, religious freedom, family formation, and convictional kindness, which is sort of civility and how we talk to and treat each other, which I think are going to be incredibly relevant. And they'll get all the more relevant as we approach an election. And hopefully it'll feel more relevant to people because kind of my hope is, is that in this election with the candidates that we've got, people's feeling like our salvation could come through our government hopefully will be at an all-time low. Yes. Which means their their openness to Jesus being, uh, his kingdom being relevant to the city of man will be at, hopefully at a, maybe not an all-time high, but will be yeah. higher. People will feel that. And so I think it's going to be a great fall series. It'll be very specific to the times, very specific to the moments. I think it'll feel really good. Yeah. So you guys can start reading. Yeah. Onward you know. by Russell Moore. You can get the book right now and start reading it, but we'll also be pushing it in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Cool. So... A different note, we've got a bunch of staff changes and staff processes going on with interns and Vince and um, Mike Beresford. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, let's run through some of these. So um, I think Jill and Aaron have now been here for a year. Yay! So they're now among the veteran staff. (laughs) We had a staff retreat a little bit back here and we had a pile of people there. We had more than 20, I think. Mm -hmm. And the person who'd been here the longest was Jean at like eight years. And then me at six. Well, Diane has been here. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So Diane is a ministry, Mm -hmm. a a staff member, but she's just not here because Mm -hmm. she's out doing the school thing. So in terms of who's in the office, Jean, eight years, me, six years, and then drops right down to three with Lloyd and Derek. And then everybody else has been here less than three years. So that's actually sort of terrifying um, because there's just not a lot of veterans. But we also have just, it's just a new day. It's a new group of people. And um, 
And nobody, we haven't had people leave for bad reasons. We've had a couple people move on with their lives. We have a couple people leave on purpose. But for the most part, we have just hired new staff. And so those staff are kind of getting their feet, and that's going well. In terms of um, some of these other staff, so children's we're still looking, as I said before. Um, Vince is um, functioning as our pastoral fellow right now. He's about half-time, and then he's doing some other stuff half-time. Like he just got back from teaching at a, um, a student Christian camp in Wisconsin. And so he's going to be, it's kind of, he's kind of like a week on week off doing that. So he can be here full time when he's not doing that. And then in terms of Mike, we've uh, appointed, the elders have appointed a committee. They've gone through the first three steps of the process of interviewing Mike and um, seeking uh, in relation to his fitness for pastoral ministry. They have, which has included um, finding references at a number of his previous ministries, including people he did not recommend, people that we went and found. And that's going to be presented at the Elder Board on Tuesday, which is tomorrow night from when we're recording this. And basically what they're going to say is um, we feel like we've got a good grasp on some of the areas where Mike is might have weaknesses so that we can all know about this. This is going to be out in the open. But for the most part, we think he'll be great. We think he's qualified to be a pastor, and we think he'll add a lot to our team. Um, so the elders will be talking about that, and the next step is that he would then candidate with the congregation. And he'd do some inter- like an like an open evening kind of thing. He'd preach again, mm-hmm. um, and then we'd have a vote, and we'd have a special congregational meeting just to vote on this. Uh, what and then, do you think yeah. is the timeline for that? <clears throat> I would say hopefully less than a month and a half. Okay, with I, with even like him preaching an interview or yeah, because he's gonna pre he's on the docket to preach in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. so it's not like people won't have heard him preach. Mm-hmm. So in terms of candidating. We need to have some open forums where people can come and ask whatever questions they want Mm -hmm. and discuss this stuff. And then the discussion at the congregational meeting. So I think those are the key things that still have to happen. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, which I think would include him probably giving maybe a 30-minute talk on what an executive pastor is and how he sees himself doing that, particularly in relationship with me and our staff. Mm -hmm. Because that looks like the main role he'll be functioning in. Mm -hmm. Um. But also he'll be talking about organized service. Because it's possible he could become a pastor and just be the pastor of organized of organized service and outreach. Like what he's doing now. What basically. he's doing now, except as in a pastoral role. So he'll have some additional pastoral responsibilities. And it'll give him the opportunity to be on the elder board if Lloyd were to leave or not want that role anymore. Um, and so that's important. But then there's been talk from, I think it was from December of last year on the elder board about whether or not he should be the executive pastor. So that's another decision. Okay. But once he's a pastor, that becomes an elder board decision. He doesn't have to candidate again. Okay. Once he's a pastor, he's a pastor. He's an associate pastor. What his subtitle is is specific to how the elders deploy him. Okay. So he doesn't really, he doesn't just get to pick something. Yeah, I'm not actually positive if he would have to recandidate. Like if I got hit by a bus and he wanted to be the senior pastor, I think I, we have to look at the Constitution more carefully and see. But I think that the senior pastor position is not an associate pastor position and therefore is a different position in that there would have to be a candidacy for that. Okay. So he, he couldn't become the senior pastor, but he could be any other kind of pastor. Okay. Cool. And interns, what are they working on? Yeah, we've so got we've, got a, bunch we've got a bunch of them, right. So we've got two pastoral and one teaching intern. They're mainly learning how to pastor. Um, a lot of that is like writing talks and doing teaching right now, but it'll move to going through departments and learning how different ministries function and then also like visiting, going to the hospital, meeting with people, all that kind of stuff. Um, and ultimately sitting in counseling sessions, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Hannah is focused in service and is specifically in relationship to Hannah congregational Savage. care. No, no, this no, is no. Hannah. Hannah Barbo, sorry. Barbo, right. Yes. Um, 
she's doing kind of counseling, organized service, that part of thing. Um, but she's also going to, she's with Mike, so she's going to be doing some evangelism mm-hmm. too, obviously. And then, um, and then who, who else? And then we've got Cameron, Cameron. who's mm-hmm. focusing on kids, right? Mm-hmm. And then Kara, who is kids, and then working with you in communications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she's only until the end of the summer. Yep, just through August. Right. So, yeah, so basically you'll see interns working in lots mm-hmm. of different areas. And we'll basically promote them to the level of their competence, as far as we can tell. Mm-hmm. So they'll be doing lots of different stuff over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. Hannah Savage coming back? That's the plan. I talked to actually one of her parents. They're like, you know, we don't really know if she's coming back. So <laughs> um, Hannah, Hannah's working on um, her, like her missionary call and where she's going to be going and what preparation she has to do for that. But she has to come back for a year to finish her MA at Trinity. Okay. And so she's probably going to do that and be here part-time. And I expect that to be sometime in July or August. Last I talked to her, she's coming back in July. Great. Yeah. So that'll be really great for us. Cool. Well, I think we're out of time. Sweet. So thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I hope this was helpful. And if you have um, like sort of current events or what's going on behind the scenes at High Point, you can email frontdesk at highpointchurch.org and Jason will send that email on to Jill or myself so we can put it on the docket for the next one of these. I hope this is informative and uh, we'll see you guys soon. See ya. Have a good day.